handsome greeting card More like a gas tank running dry We're going to be beginning. Uh, we're beginning a new series today, and, and it's called "It Matters." And we're going to be looking in Mark chapter nine. If you have your Bible with you, you may turn there already. We're going to be in nine fourteen in in the book of Mark. Um, it's a new series. It's kind of a cryptic title. You say "It Matters." You say "What Matters?" It. It matters. What is it? Our participation matters. That's what matters. Our participation in what God wants to do is what matters. So let's, uh, let's pray. <laughs> God, I thank you for this place. I thank you for these people. What a blessing it is, God, to serve them and serve with them. What a blessing it is, God, to just have such great hearts Great people that are so full of being genuine and having love, and they're just real people, God. I thank you, God, for all the real relationships that are in this place, and I pray for those, God, that feel like they're on the outside. And I ask, Lord, that you would help every person in this congregation this morning find at least one or two good, really good friends. God, I pray that this church could grow together in unity under your grace and under your love. And that anyone that walks through these doors, it would be impossible for them to leave without feeling loved or without feeling your presence. I thank you, God, for this building. I thank you, God, for the call that you've put on our church. I thank you, God, that we have a unique call. And we accept it, God, and we say thank you. Thank you, God, for giving us something that's special. May we always, always accept the call that you put on our heart and never let us shrink back, God. And as we look at your word this morning, and I pray, God, that the, that the Spirit would just come and teach us, guide us, lead us, and that we would leave here, God, completely renewed and refreshed because we've just put our heart right there to you, gave it right to you, Lord, and you've just filled it up. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. What matters? It matters. Our participation matters. I like this graphic that Catherine made because it's, 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 it's an arch, and on one side, it's, it's got a solid piece, and I look at that as seeing it's the consistency of God. You know, what God has done and what God does is always there. It's not like you have to go through some little formula to get God to do something. God makes a promise. Salvation's there. Provision's there. Every blessing God wants to give you is there. It's that on this other side of the equation where things kind of fall apart, and it's the it. It's the it. It's our participation. You don't hear me talk about this much. I talk a lot about grace, unmerited favor, unearned favor. I talk about it a ton. But in this particular series for the next four weeks, I'm going to try to be building a foundation on something that's going to take us into the new year. In 2020, we're going to be looking at how to get healthy. And you say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. It's extremely spiritual. We're going to look at how to get healthy in, in every way conceivable, spiritually, physically, emotionally, nutritionally, every way. We're going to look at how to be healthy in our relationships. 
Because I can tell you this, how you feel in your natural life has everything to do with how you walk with God. And so we're going to talk about some basics here, some things that matter, our participation in some things. Because I hear, a lot of, I hear a lot of prayers. I hear a lot of people say things. I'm a pastor, and I sit down with people, and they say, you know, I just want God to fix my marriage. God, fix my marriage. Well, you know, that's, that's a great prayer, but I think that the echo that comes back from heaven when we pray those prayers is, what is your part in fixing your marriage? What's the participation? Because what, what the it matters is your participation matters. God, fix my finances. Well, he can, and he will, but it's going to require your participation to fix your finances. I don't know why God does it this way. I don't know why God doesn't just you know, do the magic wand thing and fix things for us. But whenever he created us, he created us with free will. And it gives him pleasure for us to participate in what his will is for our life. God wants my marriage great. He wants your marriage great. Don't ever accept anything but that. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to have plenty of money. Don't accept anything less. But there's a participation. You don't just sit down and let it say, okay, God, my hands are here. Drop the money in my hands. You have to participate. And that's what we're talking about in this series of messages. Even when you're saying, God, heal my child. Even when you're saying, God, cast out that demon. There's a participation on our part, and what you do matters. Now, here's the thing. It's because so many things that we can do seem so little that we don't think they matter. We think they're insignificant, but I just want to say they're not insignificant. It matters. And God wants you to know what those things are. As we go into the next year, we're going to be looking at being healthy. I said that a minute ago. We're going to have a focus in 2020. I want 2020 to be the best year of our life. I mean the best. Do you know it can be? You're gonna, you're, when you get old like me, you're going to look back and go, you know, there are some really good years in there. I don't know if you ever do this. There's, there's, there's a handful of really good years in your life. They've all been good, but you have a few that are just like really good. Anybody like that with me? I want 2020 to be the best year of your life. Amen. Well, how do you do that? By positioning yourself into the blessing flow of God. What you do matters. It's not just a matter of, you know, God send down the blessings. He says, no, what you believe matters. What you confess matters. What you do really matters. And we're to position ourselves. You hear me talk about grace all the time, unmerited favor from God. He gives it to you. Everything you need, he gives you, but not everything you want. Sometimes when you want You've got to position yourself into a blessing flow. And so when you do that, it matters what you do. It matters what you say. It matters what you believe. If you want divine health, you want to walk in divine health, that's great. God wants you to walk in divine health. You know that Moses walked all the days of his life. He, when he left the earth, he was full of vim and vigor. He just laid down and went to heaven. You know, you don't have to get sick to die. Do you know that? That's, that's a lie from the devil. You don't have to. You just go to sleep and wake up in heaven. Do you know that? But we've, we've, we've accepted these. The things we believe have affected the way God really wants us to live. We believe we got to get sick when we get old. We believe we got to be old and decrepit. No, that's, that's a lie. 
But what is your part in walking in divine health? Because what you believe and what you confess and what you do absolutely matter. God wants you to have divine health. But he's not going to wave a magic wand and you just go, look, it just doesn't work that way. There's a participation in what we do with God. He wants you to be financially prosperous. Do you know that? Well, some of you don't believe that. You see, what you believe, and it, it, it has everything to do with how much you'll walk in financial prosperity. Some of you believe that you just are intended just to get by. Some of you believe that you're to live in poverty because your whole family's always living in poverty. Some of you believe that you can't make a, big, a good living because, you, you know, it's just the way it is. I want to tell you what you believe and what you confess and what you do have everything to do with the provision that God has for you. But somehow we accept that we get this lie in our head that, well, if God wants me to be rich, he'll just drop it down on me. Well, that's, that's just not true. We have a participation. It matters. Our participation matters. I don't know if you, want, if you want a healthy marriage. It matters what you do. It matters what you believe. You think, well, that's just the way things are. We're going to live like this the rest of our life, and we're in separate bedrooms, and it doesn't matter, and blah, blah, blah. blah. And you, you've accepted a lie. And what you believe and what you confess and what you do have everything to do with the amount of blessing that you walk in. You want your marriage to be great? You have a part to play. You have a part to play because every miracle requires participation. Now, people don't get this because they always see miracles as totally on God's side of the equation. But it's not true. Every miracle in the Bible, every miracle in the Bible required human participation. Except one creation. He didn't have any human participation in creation. But every other one, can you think of one? People say, well, the resurrection. Do you realize that before the resurrection that Jesus went to the garden and he got on his knees and said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. If this cup could pass through me, let it pass from me, let it pass. But it, it didn't. He could have called legions of angels and stopped all of that. But his participation in dying allowed for the resurrection to take place. There's not a miracle in the Bible that didn't require participation. Yet we always want God to do the magic wand thing. We just want to sit in our easy chair and say, man, I wish I made more money. In my bank account, look, I have an extra million dollars. <laughs> I mean, from... The burning bush, it said that Moses turned aside and then the miracles happened. There was some participation, even in the parting of the Red Sea, that, that Moses was holding his rod and he goes, hold up your rod. You think, well, it seems insignificant. I mean, what's the big deal? <laughs> He's going to part the Red Sea. I have to do something, hold up the rod. But do you realize that that's what the deal is? We think because what we can do is so insignificant that it doesn't matter. And I just want to say, it matters. It matters. We've believed a lie that it doesn't matter. And we put everything on God's side of the equation. If God wants it to happen, it'll happen. He's sovereign. It'll happen. You have to participate in all of those things. Even with the widow at Nain, she was carrying out her only son. They were carrying him out. He was dead in a coffin. They were carrying him out. And it, Jesus walked up. And he saw this procession coming out of the city, and they're carrying this casket. 
And Jesus walked up and he touched the casket. And what did they do? They stopped walking. You think, well, that seems insignificant. Well, if you've ever seen a Middle Eastern funeral where they carry the casket down the street in the middle of the funeral procession, tons of people are touching the casket and praying and crying and everything else. In this instance, Jesus touched the casket. They stopped. Sometimes all you'd have to do is be still and know that he's Lord. You just need to stop. But every miracle, every miracle will have human participation. So, we go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. But before 14 is the, is the story of the transfiguration. It's where he takes Peter, James, and John, Jesus does, and he goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he says that he becomes dazzling white. And then it says this, whiter than even laundry soap could make him. And I thought, that's, I just think that's kind of funny myself, but <laughs> kind of odd. But he's turned white. Peter, James, and John are there. Then a Moses and Elijah show up, and it's up there, and, and he's talking with them and everything. And then they come down the mountain, and that's where we pick it up in verse four, 14. It says that as he came down the mountain, he saw this great multitude, and they were all around his disciples. And the scribes were disputing or arguing with his disciples. And he came down, and when they saw him, they came running to Jesus. And Jesus asked the scribes, what are you discussing together with them? And one in the crowd answered, not one of the scribes, but one in the crowd said, Teacher, I brought you my son, and he has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they, that they could cast it out, but they could not cast it out. So Jesus answered them, and you're about to hear something that you very seldom hear in Scripture. And it's Jesus being a little uh, upset. He says, oh, you faithless generation. How long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy to me. They brought him the boy. When, in, when the boy saw Jesus, he immediately, the demon seized him and threw him on the ground. He started convulsing, and he was foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening? He said, since he was a child. He says, it throws him into fire and into water, tries to destroy him. And then the father says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And then Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible for him who believes. You see, this father is just like we are. This father is exactly like we are. I've got this miracle need, and I bring it to Jesus, and we kind of come in with halfway thinking, well, he might, he might not. And we say, you know, Lord, and it's, Jesus takes it and just turns it right back on the guy and says, look, it's not a matter of if I can, it's a matter if you believe. Now, why would God, who created everything and wants to do miracle after miracle and save humanity and, and, and heal sicknesses and do all these great things, why would he tie his power to our faith? I don't know. There's you an answer. I don't know. But the truth is, he does. And many times, we don't see miracles because we really don't believe. We want and we approach God just like this man did. Well, you know, if it's your will, God, yeah, maybe it's not your timing, maybe whatever. But the deal is we approach God with this half belief 
And God says, if you can believe anything is possible, if you can participate with me, if you can believe with me. And then the man answers in the most honest thing that's said in probably the whole scripture. And he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> exactly like we are. God, I know you can do anything, but I'm just not sure you're going to. And Jesus saw the people running, so he rebuked this demon. The demon came out. The spirit cried when they came out of the boy, and then he, the, he looked like he was dead, and many people said, the boy is dead, and Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up. And then they went, they, I guess they left that scene, and the disciples and Jesus went into a private place, into this house, it says in verse 28. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said this, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Let me give you a translation that I like better. Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And he said, you could have. You just weren't ready. Well, we didn't think it was that important to pray and fast. They just weren't ready. We thought it was all on your side of the fence, God. We thought all this was on your part of the equation. And God says, no, I wanted to cast the demon out, and you could have cast it out. And that's why in verse 19 I say, how long do I have to put up with you people? My ministry has been going on now for over, I only have a little while left. I'm about to leave you guys. In fact, the transfiguration is nothing but a symbol of Jesus going to be in glory. And he's left the disciples down on the earth. And he says, I'm leaving this to you. And that's why he was exasperated. You faithless generation, how long do I have to bear with you? We, you've been seeing me raise the dead. Have you not learned a thing? It requires your faith and participation. You've got to be ready in season and out. That there's miracles all around us to be had. Yet we just don't prepare. I think it's telling. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He's one of the most powerful evangelists, uh, healing evangelists we've ever had in the church. And he said this. Don't, don't seek the gifts unless you've purposed in your heart to abide in the Holy Spirit. He said, you're just wasting your time. God wants to do powerful things through you, but until you do, are ready to participate, until you're ready to walk spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-aware, aware of God in your life every minute of the day, and really wanting to walk with God and to see Him work, we really don't need to be seeking the spiritual gifts if we're not going to walk a spiritual life. I want us to be ready for 2020, because I really want it to be the best year of our life. I want it to be the very best year of your whole life. I want it to be a supernatural year. I want it to be a year that you walk in power. That the, every single chain in your life is broken. Every addiction broken. Every bad, broken relationship is restored. I'm praying that 2020 is that year. And I don't want it to be because on our side of the equation, we just weren't ready. That we just put it all on God and say, well, if you want to do it, you know how to do it. I'm going to stand over here and watch you do it. I don't know why God made us creatures of free will, but he did. And the things that we choose to do or participate in, they matter. And I think there's just sometimes in these, in these spirit-filled churches, in this new wave of spirituality, 
that we've, we've kind of relegated some things that are very important sort of to a back row, and I think they need to be restored to the prominent place. It matters. Our participation matters. All of these things that I have on the screen are our participation. It's God's invitation to mankind, participate with me. Yet many people, they don't think it's that big a deal. It's just not that big a deal. Water baptism. There's a huge number of people in the church that just had never been baptized in water. You know, they've never, they've never gone through the, the, the baptismal waters because they think it's like optional. They don't think it's that important. Well, it's really important. People, you know, like worship. There's so many people that don't really worship the Lord. They just sort of, you know, sit on their hands. And, and some people don't even come in the sanctuary until the Word is being preached because they don't like to sit through worship. Worship is important. It's an important element that we get to participate in. You may think it's insignificant. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it matters. It matters. Prayer, you know. People, you know, it, Jesus said it himself. I already know what you need. I still want you to pray it. He said that. Prayer matters. And going to church matters. You know, I was saved in 1976, and it, it, it said in statistics, back in the 70s, whenever I was in church, and we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, we, didn't all, we went all the time. And, and most people did. And they said back in those days that most people, that a preacher could said, he would have maybe over 100 contacts a year with every person in the church, at least 100, because people were in church that much. They say now, statistically, you get about 18 touches a year for some people. 18 times. Because we don't do Sunday nights, and we barely, you know, we do Wednesday nights, but it's a little bit different. But we don't have the kind of, because people are not, they're not interested in, in sound doctrine. They're not really interested in putting a priority on church. And I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just trying to tell you that it matters. Being in church matters. Being in fellowship matters. Being in a place where you can love and be loved matters, where you can be known and know people. It matters. It's not optional. You say, well, I don't have to go to church to be saved. No, you don't, but it matters. Do you want to walk a powerful life? Do you want to walk a life with God? Do you want to see more miracles in your life? Do you want to see yourself walk in a way that just really uh, opens doors to supernatural blessing? You need to be in the family of God. I, I'm going to give you a revelation here. Church, like that, the church, it's God's idea. I mean, you can tell him it's a lousy idea, but I mean, I'm just telling you, it's his idea. And it means something. It's important. I mean, water baptism is what we're going to talk about today. It's like, well, do I have to be baptized to be saved? Well, no, technically you don't. I mean, but there's only one instance in the Bible, only one. Where somebody got saved that they didn't get baptized. And that was the thief on the cross. And it was kind of hard to get off there and get baptized. But every other person you see in Scripture that came to the Lord was baptized. Every single one. Why? Because it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. My experience was when I was 11 years old. I was in a Baptist church and... You know, we, 
we had, you know, we had an evangelist in, and he was preaching the hellfire and damnation, and it was really good, and I went down, and I was 11 years old, and I thought, oh, you know, I need to go down and, and get saved or whatever. Nobody told me how to be saved. Nobody told me. And, but my mother was so determined that I would be baptized that they, she talked the preacher into coming in on Saturday the next day because he was leaving town Sunday. She said, I want him to be baptized, and we can't wait till you get back. And he, she talked him into doing it on, on Saturday morning. And they brought in some of the staff people, and I was baptized in front of like 12 people. And I was 11 years old. And nobody really ever told me what it meant. But something happened. Something happened. In my ignorance, in only a simple act of faith, I went forward, and, and something happened to me. And you know, that's what the Bible says. It says that when you're baptized... You're baptized into Christ, into his body. You, you always see it as is being dunked in water. But the truth is, if something supernatural happens, you naturally participate, and you walk up there, and you, you humble yourself, and you say, I want to be baptized, and it's humbling. And then you go through these waters. It's humbling to get wet and come out of that water. But you humble yourself, and that's everything you do in the natural. That's your participation. And in the supernatural, you don't realize that God is actually baptizing you into the body of Christ. Now, what does that mean? I was 11 years old. Nobody told me anything. From 11 years old to 21 years old, I lived doing whatever I wanted to do. Okay? I very seldom went to church. I didn't walk with the Lord. But there were many times... From 11 to 21, I'd go to bed at night, sometimes high on something, and I would lay in bed and I would feel, I would feel the presence of God in my room. I would feel and hear the voice of God, His loving voice, talking to me and calling me. I knew, I knew something. Because I had been baptized into Christ. I didn't even know it. And then I was 21. And God convicted me that it was time for me to get serious about God. It was time. I rolled out of my bed one night, got down on my knees beside my bed, and I just asked God to save me. I mean, God, I'm going to give you my life. I want you in my life. And I asked him to come in. And I thought, man, that was awesome. And then I went to church the next Sunday, and I felt a conviction to be baptized. I was 21. And what had happened with me and God was all private. It was all secret. Nobody really knew about it. It was just me and God. I had this little encounter with God, and I knew it was real. And now he's like, I want you to go down and get baptized. I was like, oh, Lord. People, have, I don't know. I mean, people think I'm, they already think I'm saved, God. All these things that go in my mind. And he, he kept pounding me. Six months. Six months. I argued with God. Reasoned with God. Tried to talk him out of it. Everything in the world. But he wanted me to go baptize again. I said, I've already been baptized. Paul says there's only one baptism. And there is only one baptism that baptizes you into Christ. But there's many baptisms. Read Hebrews 6.2. There's a whole doctrine of baptisms. They're plural. There was another call in my life. It was like... You know, I didn't know at 21 when God was asking me to go through the baptismal waters. I didn't know that he would, you know, I would, I would submit to that baptism, which I finally did. And it would be, no, now you're going to be buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in your new life. He was calling me to a brand new life. 11 to 21, I was his. I didn't live like it, 
but I knew I was, just like a lot of y'all. You don't live like it, but you know in your heart you're his. And he someday he says, okay, right now, I want you to be baptized because it's out with the old and in with the new. And that's what he was doing with me. And he said, I want you to do that because I didn't know a few months after I was baptized that God would call me to preach at 21 years old. And I didn't step into a pulpit as a preacher until I was 45. But I can tell you it never went away. Water baptism is essential. We say, oh, well, it's not that big a deal. But if we're saved, water baptism is a big deal. It's a big deal. Because it's an act of faith. In fact, it's a lot of different things. Water baptism. Jesus commanded it. Matthew 28, Mark 16, it's part of the great commandment. He said, you go into all the world and teach them, and, and teach them what I said, what I did, but I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we do. We baptize that's what we're supposed to do. And we're supposed to submit to baptism. Many of you are not living a fulfilled Christian life. And sometimes this is the missing piece. You don't realize that being baptized is an act of obedience that sometimes is the thing that's what's next in your life. And you will not go on with God because you will not submit because your pride's in the way. Your pride's telling you, oh, I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I'm not saved. Or... There comes a place where you have to put aside all your pride and you have to say, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to go with God. I don't care what it makes me look like. I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. And you'll know right here. And I'll just tell you, the devil's not convicting you to get baptized. I'm pretty sure of that. It's a confession of your faith. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And this is the ultimate confession of faith. It's an act of faith. James said, faith without works is dead. This is an act of faith. You can say, well, I believe in Jesus. Isn't that enough? Yeah, it's enough. But your first act is to act what you believe. That's faith. Belief is one thing. Action is another. Faith is in between. That's what it does. It's leaving behind your old life. Your old life. That's what you're buried with Christ in baptism. You're raised to walk in a new life. And then the number five one is one of the biggest ones of all, and it's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't have to confess sin. Jesus didn't have to go get baptized so that he could get rid of his sin and go to his... Jesus was a pretty good guy at 30, but he was baptized. Why? Because he wanted to do everything that was right. Some of you need to be baptized because you're entering into a new phase of life you're entering into a ministry. You're entering into a new faith. And God's saying, it's time for you to walk in the newness of life. And that's what Jesus did. He was baptized in water. When he came up, the doves had descended. And he was baptized in the Spirit. And the Spirit stayed on him. And he was ready for ministry. It's, it's all part of it. People say, well, you only, you only get baptized one time. I, I don't believe that. I believe you get baptized every time God tells you to get baptized. I mean, why wouldn't you? You say, well, that's not theologically correct. Well, according to some books it is and some books it isn't. I mean, whichever book you want to pick up, you can read it. It's great. You can, make your, you can, you can defend that theology either way you want to go. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Whatever you choose to believe is fine with me. I just want to tell you that I was raised Baptist in one baptism and all that, and as I've gone on and walked in the Spirit with God, I realized that any act of obedience, whether it's baptism over and over again, is still an act of obedience. 
And if you need it as a marker in your life, I see this book full of build memorial stones, build memorial stones, so that you will remember that this was the day that you became spirit-filled. This is the day you begin to walk in your ministry. This is the day that you put out that old life and started walking in the new life. There's so many reasons, but they're your participation. Because God wants to do a miracle, but it takes your participation for him to do a miracle. Every convert, every convert in the New Testament, with the exception of the thief on the cross, was baptized. I mean, even then, the 3,000 people were saved in one day in Acts 2. They took time to baptize. Now, how, would you, how long do you think that took? And they probably didn't do prophetic words like Pastor Lindell does. But <laughs> Ethiopian eunuch. Phillips witnessing to him, talking about Isaiah. They see water. The eunuch says, hey, I want, I want to be baptized. I believe Jesus is Lord. They come down off the deal and they get in the water and they're baptized. Saul. I mean, he had an incredible encounter with God. An incredible encounter with God. He had his eyes opened up. He, he was healed. He had already had a prophetic word spoken over his life about ministry, and he still got up and went and got water baptized because it was that important. And this one blows my mind, Cornelius. Peter goes to Cornelius' house, the first Gentile that was saved. And the guy is, Paul's just trying to tell him, Peter's trying to tell him about Jesus, and the Spirit of God falls, and they're all speaking in tongues. They're all baptized in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, and they still, after that, had to go out and get water baptized. It's a big deal to God. We've relegated it because we don't think it's that big a deal. It's a big deal. I want us in 2020 to be ready to go anywhere God wants us to go. I don't want there to be any stumbling block in your life. I want you to be able to say yes to God about whatever it is. And I think this is one of the first things. Many of you have never been baptized. And you need to be. And some of you have been baptized when you were a child and you don't even remember it. And God's calling you to do it. You say, well, how do I know? Well, you'll know it right now. Right now, you're feeling it. You know it. You're like, oh, is that you, God? Well, you know it's God. Who else would it be? I mean, you're not getting saved again. It's not like that. It's not like, oh, I got saved, I sinned, now I have to get baptized again. It's not like that at all. It's progression. It's faith to faith. It's, it's going forward with God. It, it, you know, in this church, being baptized here does not mean you joined this church. We don't do that. This means that you're taking a step with God. This is personal between you and God. If this is the only time you're here and you want to do this here, praise God, do it here. We're not going to bug you. We want to, we want to celebrate with you. Because any act of faith is an act of faith and it's between you and the Lord. So it matters. Some of you have never accepted Christ in your heart. Some of you have never been born again. Some of you have only known about God. You've never been born again by God. You Maybe you've been in church most of your life, and there's times that people talk about being born again, and you can feel in your spirit you've never really done that. And I'm going to invite you today to just, between you and the Lord, just to bow your head and say, God, I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. I believe he came to save me. I'm opening my heart and receiving everything you have to give me, God.
please save my soul. Accept me into your kingdom. And he'll flood you with his spirit. You will be saved. And if that's you today, I invite you to come today to be baptized, even though I think I hear the Baptist water, the water draining out of the Baptist period. Am I hearing it? I hope not. I do too. <laughs> I was just hearing that. I thought, oh, okay, we might not be doing that. Yeah, we're not going to sprinkle you. Um, but anyway, some of you do need to for the very first time. And some of you, um, you've just come back to the Lord. Maybe you've lived a life like me from 11 to 21. I, I, I lived a life for myself. And when God said, get serious, he called me to be baptized. Some of you are like that. You've lived in your own world for so long. And God wants you to, he wants you to call you to himself. But you'll know in your heart. And after this service is over, if you want to be baptized, um, you can come, come talk to me or Pastor Lindell and we'll baptize you. We have Patrick and Shelley's ordination um, after this service is over. But between after it's over and that starts, we'll be baptizing anyone that wants to be baptized. And so if you want to, we got clothes back here. We got towels. You can change back here. We've got stuff for you to change into. Don't worry about that. And uh, I'm sure we have your size. <laughs> we hope we do. And anyway, and you can do that. And we're inviting you to do it today. Because we really want to give you that opportunity. If you don't want to do it today, December 15th, we do it again. But I want you to do it. If you haven't done it and you feel God telling you to do it, I want you to do it before the end of the year. Because I want you to start 2020 with this thing settled in your heart. Settled and done. So let's stand together. Ministry team, if you're ministering today, come up. We want to pray for you today. If you're sick in your body, if you have any issues at all, you need, you need prayer for your marriage, you need prayer for your health, you need prayer for, uh, if you're just confused, if you, if you need prayer because, because you're angry, whatever it is, whatever's going on with you, we want to pray and help you to find peace and find uh, that you would feel right with God when you leave here today. Uh, there's no wrong reason to come for prayer. If you feel a, a pressure in your heart, just know that that's God saying, why don't you just go up and, and pray? You don't even have to know what it's about. Just come up here. These people that are standing up here, they, they're all, they all hear God, every single one of them. And if you came up here and said, I don't know why I'm here, I just feel like I should be, any one of them, can probably tell you why God brought you to the altar. And that's not putting pressure on these people. I know every one of them. They all know the Lord. And they all hear Him clearly. They're all people of integrity. You can trust them. Nobody here is going to ask you to do anything that's uncomfortable or out of the ordinary. They're just going to want to love you and, and pray with you. So, Father, I pray right now that your spirit would have full freedom in this house that you would begin to move people, God, from all over the place and bring them to this altar, God. And if there's any in here that need to be baptized, I pray, God, that they would have the courage and the boldness just to come forward and say, yes, that's me, and I want to start 2020 fresh with God. I want to nail this thing down forever. So I thank you, God. I thank you so much that you're real. I thank you, Lord, that you care about us all, that you love us more than we could even know. And you would never, you'd never, God, ask us to do anything that would hurt us. 
So we thank you for that, God, and we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So please come for prayer if you need it. If you're sticking around for the ordination, we'll start in a few minutes. And if you need to be baptized, come talk to Pastor Lindell or myself. Thank you for coming this morning. We love you.